have not lived my traditions you have you do not have any connection to my ancestral roots how is it that you're able to tell my story and so i believe that we despite who tries to tell our story storytelling becomes very pertinent very crucial and important because our voices must also be heard the story will never be resilient the story will never be sustainable the story will never inspire greatness if it is an approximated truth what many european think if within the context of story are real in the construction of the reality is that they told many people who would become the diasporans or the african diaspora in this sense that their history which is their origin started from slavery now the same people went to africa and they told the african people that their history started from colonialism now just take a moment to reflect on that does that have any implication Uh, as why this is very important for me and for us as people of African descent. It's about connecting, it's about talking about us, it's about looking at those issues that really concerns us as a people. And we really need to be the one talking about it. That is why it is important for us uh, leveraging storytelling as a tool in this sense. Now, for those of you who probably do not understand the background behind this story, let me just share with you that... Um, when I came to Italy in the August of 2004, uh, I sort of was curious to understand what has been the story of the people of African descent in Verona, where I live. That is the city where I live, in the northern part of Italy. So I started to talk to different people, asking all sort of questions. Okay, um, I've always liked to ask questions. I, I ask people questions so that I can learn because I believe I have a lot to learn. So I talked to these different people that have been here, some of them for 40 years, 35, 20 years. I mean, I'm just here like uh, three, four years. I'm trying to understand them, try to understand why have you leave Africa to, to Europe? Why are you still here? Because I remember, for example, one of them was telling me, I left uh, Eritrea. I come to, to Italy because there was war in Eritrea. I just said, okay, I'm going to uh, come here to study, then I will return. But he's been here for several years. Then I asked him, but what are you still waiting for? Of course, I'm asking him because I'm sort of provoking him to talk to me. But I'm asking the question also to myself in the future, knowing that probably I'm going to be like him. You know, why don't you return to where you are coming from? You see, that is a question somebody can ask me today because I'll be here now for many years. Somebody can also ask me the question, hey, Mr. Obey, why are you still here? Why don't you return back to, to Nigeria where you came from? Because I'm still here in Italy and nobody's actually putting a chain on my neck to remain here. I'm remaining here on my own. So I need to tell that story. I need to explain why. All right, so what I understood over these years talking to these different people, uh, and of course later I will expand the conversation to talk to different Africans in the diaspora from US to UK, Canada, US, uh, as far back as China, uh, in, the, in the Arab world, and of course those in Africa, try to look at, at the common consensus. What are those things that are uniting us as a people? What can we learn uh, from our experience? What can we leverage from our experience? So that is how 
For example, I started Obehi Podcast, which is really heavy on storytelling. And uh, so last year, in the beginning of last year, I said, okay, what I've learned is time for me to package it together and put it in front of the people to see what they can also learn from it. So from there, I wrote a five-part book series that I titled The Storytelling Series for uh, Small Businesses and, of course, Content Creators, because that is mainly the area that I, color, that I concentrate on. So that is where we are coming from, just to sort of call the long story short, in that storytelling for me has become an eye-opener. We all know how important storytelling is for us. It tells us, uh, it helps us to understand who we are, where we are coming from, and where we should go from here. Our storytelling is important in everything that we do. And of course, it's also going to be very important in building our community. By that, I mean the African diaspora community. We have a huge story to tell, a huge and deep and profound story to tell. From the time of slavery to even the present time, several thousands of people that have left Africa have come to the West. They are still here. Their story needs to be told, and they need to be the one to tell that story. That is, uh, that is a product of trillions of dollars. You can't give that job to somebody else, and then you complain that you don't have a job. No, that is a product in your hand. You are going to transform it into a into something that you can give to another person. It will pay you. You are the owner of the story. When you tell that story as African diaspora. You are not going to be saying they, you are going to be saying us, me, we. You are going to be using those verbs because you are in the center of the story. So that means you. it is legitimate for you to leverage that story. So that is why it is important for me. That is why I'm really passionate about this conversation of storytelling within the African diaspora community. So the first point we are going to be exploring here today is even the exploring itself, which is exploring heritage in the African diaspora. The second one is, how can we use storytelling to inspire resilience in the community? And the third one is, how to use storytelling for social advocacy? All these are very important for us as African diaspora. Dr. Marcia, it's your turn. Please tell the people who you are. Then, of course, we are going to be picking up from there. All right. Good morning, everyone. My name, as you've heard, is Dr. Marcia Thomas. I am a certified life coach, Christian leadership coach. I coach Christians in leadership. I am an author. And so I tell a lot of stories. I have a book coming out that talks about leaders, Christian, in leadership in the professional space and how they can strive through pain and crisis and trauma. I tell a story that's not really viewed by many, those sides of leadership that are not in books. I also write stories for children from their own experience. And I am a leader mother. And I'm also a very great reader of stories. I love to hear stories and I love to tell stories that are very true and that are very emotional and that are very impactful and that change people's lives, mindset and outcomes and make them better. All right. Thank you so much for that, Dr. Matsia. Uh, yeah, we have another person who is joining us. It's a very uh, important conversation for him too. Uh, is uh, Mr. Olatuji. Olatuji, please tell people who you are. Then, of course, I'm going to be coming in with all my questions. All right. Thank you so much uh, for, for the opportunity to be here. And it's a great pleasure to have everybody, uh, you know, in their smiling faces here. 
Uh, if you look closely to my profile, you will see that um, my account is under construction. I, I just um, you know got back from a a hackathon. <laughs> Let me just say it that way. You know, my profile was hacked uh, about forty eight hours ago, but I, I got it back, and um, I I just want to have you know some fresh. Uh, breadth of hair before I, I get back to put everything back there. So I wouldn't have said the things I would say now. Um, I'm, I'm a personal uh, development coach. Uh, I have people to grow. I have businesses to also grow. And um, uh, I'm very, very intentional about um, personal development. Uh, I, I've done quite uh, a lot of works in that regard and um, a lot I see going on. Um, I'm an author and uh, I've, I've come to realize, you know, basically that um, the only thing that sells is story. Uh, facts and figures don't sell. It's stories that sell. So, um, yeah, anytime you want to, you know, move, and, and that's why we are here today. So um, we started telling the story from the time, you know, this this uh, audio room started. So till we live here, it's going to be a story. So just just pay attention and enjoy yourself. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I just want to read my mic there. Um, I want to hear myself too. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much for that, uh, Olatuji. I appreciate that. I really do. So yeah, the, like I was saying before, we have uh, these uh, three items that we are going to be exploring today. The first one is exploring our heritage within the African diaspora. And uh, when we say that, uh, Dr. Masia, uh, how will story or storytelling uh, contribute to culture or cultural heritage in the African diaspora? Please help us understand. As I speak, I, I speak right now from a very emotional page. Um, point. I, I find that when I was growing up and studying in schools, I did African history. I'm from the Caribbean. I did American history, African history, and I also did Caribbean history. But I find that what affected me most was that persons who did not know my story as a Caribbean person were telling my story their books were being sold on the shelf from their point of view of what they think, their perspective, their misconceptions of what Caribbean history was about. They did the same for Africans. And I don't know how it is that you do not have my values. You do not, you have not lived my traditions. You have, you do not have any connection to my ancestral roots. How is it that you're able to tell my story? And so I believe that we, despite who tries to tell our story, storytelling becomes very pertinent, very crucial and important because our voices must also be heard. We must tell our true story. And if other people tell our story, they must compare their story to what is the true and real story, which would be our story. So storytelling for me, holds immense significance, especially for the As African diaspora, because it is a powerful tool for preserving the cultural heritage, transmitting the traditions, and fostering a crucial sense of identity that makes us proud of ourselves wherever we are. 
not only does it do that, but it also helps us to maintain connections to our ancestral roots, sharing our experiences, our own experiences, good or bad, and offering a sense of belonging to a community that has been dispersed across the globe. Because I, for one, was born and bred in the Caribbean. My great-great-grandparents were brought into Jamaica through many rivers and streams because of the transatlantic slave trade. I never got to, because of virtue of when I was born, to, to meet these people. But the storytelling of those who we connect with being alive and what they leave behind preserves the cultural heritage and has transmitted certain traditions and culture that I practice today because that is what storytelling does. It is the fundamental method for passing across the cultural knowledge and values and traditions from one generation to the other. In every society, wherever you are, we are the ones who carry the story. So physical separation from your homeland, which would, which would maybe result in a disconnect, meaning face-to-face -face connection, and the, and the tales of origin, myths, legends, folk tales, jokes, anything. In the, in the Caribbean culture, we have what we call Anansi stories that metaphorically tell of our, of our skills and our talents and our abilities in the Caribbean that helps to maintain the connection to our ancestral language, our rituals, our practices, and continues this tradition that might otherwise have been forgotten. And I want to stop right there because I'm passionate about it and I just want, I just want to give somebody else an opportunity. Thank you so much for that, uh, Dr. Batsia. Uh, that is really important. We are speaking from, uh, from the point of view also of experience, of passion. And um, Dr. Ben, uh, the famous uh, American historian, African-American historian, maybe I need to specify that, was saying that the European did not have the right to teach African history. And this was what it meant. Because history is not about just collective figures and data. History is a bended within it, deep emotion. History is told from a point of view. That is why it's called history. His story. His story. It is those two things that are put together that become history. So history cannot be neutral. History is not just who can talk or who can talk about it. It is how does it concern you? When you tell this story, are you in the middle of it? Are you bold enough to say we in that story? Can you legitimately say our story? Are you inside the story or are you talking of it's an experience of a people who you have no idea of their component, their relevance, their importance, their culture, their evolution. If you can't say that, then you don't have any business talking about that story. Anyway, having said that, I want to ask you something, Mr. Olatuji. Now, you will know as much as I do that a great percentage of the people who form the African diaspora, whether in the past or in the present, are coming from Nigeria, a place called Nigeria. No? Not only, but I'm telling you that a great percentage is coming from there. 
Um, now, when you look at the African diaspora, because that is the history we are looking at today, you are in Lagos, in Nigeria. What do you think about the their cultural heritage, the heritage that we are looking at now? Now, I'm basically asking you because I'm trying to provoke you, looking at your brother on the other end now, who have not been chance to have, have their experiences only in Africa, but they are living elsewhere. How do you look at their cultural heritage? What do you want to say? about that wow um uh, the, we have a lot of emotion right here uh, and seriously uh you know when i see the word emotion being a certified emotional intelligence professional i i, I have very good meaning for it um I, I call story look at story look at what story story is a story building all right that's got the first floor, uh, the ground floor as emotion, and the top floor as cognition. We can't tell story without intelligence. We can't tell story without emotions. And I can feel that right here. It's a story building that's got emotions and cognition as its you know, components. And uh, you know, while Dr. Masha was talking about the Caribbean, and that reminded me of uh, how the Caribbean started. You know, uh, the first set of slaves that left my country, Nigeria and some other African, you know, countries during the slave trade uh, were so powerful that they could fight to stand still the, the police and sailors that were taking them to the Europe, right? Uh, uh, they fought them, they killed almost all, only those who aligned with them were spared. They left the sailor and compelled the sailor to get them, you know, to the nearest shore. They got down at the nearest shore and those places today are the Caribbeans. Afterwards, you know, the, the, the businessman came back and said, come on, this is not a good business. The people you are, you know, asking us to go with, they are too strong. These guys are too powerful. They fight, you know, men with guns, you know, and overcome them. So what's up? So what do you do? If you want us to be in this business, let's let's do a deal. How do you help us, uh, you know, uh, do whatever you can to make these guys not be able to withstand us or fight against our, our police and whoever is taking them, you know, through the Atlantic Ocean. And um, in Nigeria, we still have it in, you know, in Badagri, uh, still, you know, a, a, an artifact, I will call it, of history. Uh, in, in Togo, we still have it uh, there. Now in Togo, it's, it's a tree. In Nigeria, it's a well. They had certain concussions in these two different entities that when those are to be carried, you know, to Europe, when they are gathered, you know, you, you get 40 people, they give you a, a, an empty bottle to put on your table. You get some numbers more, they give you a wristwatch. And that way, they wanted them to arrive safely and without the, the, the first kind of, you know, outbreak that happened when they were going, uh, and they made concussion in Nigeria inside a well. When they drink from this well, they lose their memory. 
When they drink from this well, they lose strength. They become unconscious. Till they arrive many months at the destination they want them to be. The same thing would also happen in Togo. When they are tied around the tree, after some times, they become unconscious and they lose strength. Now, this is it. Hunters don't throw her. So they, they, they shouldn't be the ones to describe how lions roar. But you know what happened? The one who has been, you know, cleared off of every possible memory and strength would need somebody who brought him or her to the place he has found himself to tell his story for him. You see, look at look at the word mystery, right? M M Y S T E R Y. You see what I see there? It's their mystery, but it's my story. Nobody can tell my story like I do. It's their mystery, but it's my story. Hunters should not describe the roaring of a lion than a lion. But what happened? They got rid of their memory. They got rid of their strengths. And by the time they allow them to come back to consciousness, they are already in chains. By the time they come back to their consciousness, they bear the name who the new tax master now gives them. So they, they are told who they are in the words and the terminologies of the new tax master. So it, it becomes, and this is it, that, that was, that was, a figurative expression of what is now happening today. And that's why we need to, you know, uh, liberate ourselves. We need to create this liberation through story. Stories will bring us back. Stories are, the, are, are what, you know, put together different thing that you can talk about in our culture. They pass it from one generation to the other and give us high story. All right. You know, uh, Mr. Obey said it's, it's, you know, his story. And I see high story in history, very high story. You can't get them on the low level. So when, when we look at stuff like that, you, you look at me, you know, speaking from Lagos, Nigeria, and I look at why, you know, we left in the first place and why some of us have now decided to stay there. You know why we still stay there comfortably and not, and, and you know, in, in some sense, people feel, you know, Africans in diaspora, they feel better in diaspora than at home. You know why? The loss of memory is still real. It's not just the way it was. It has taken a different form. They have made us to believe that, hey, come on, the strength is not there. You can't do it well on, unless you do it there, the loss of strength. So we, we, we need to, you know, uh, rewind. We need to unlearn. We need to, you know, do a lot of refurbishments, all right, to the mind of Africans at home and even in diaspora. And the only thing that will help us 
a story. I, I've just told a very sensitive and powerful story. I told you, story is a story building. It has got cognition and emotion as the first and the last floor. Let me hit my mic and let's enjoy this revolution. Thank you. Thank you so much, my brother. That is, that is powerful. It is getting me emotional. And this is the reason we are here. I remember one time I was interviewing um, a U.S. historian. And at a point, I see that uh, she was really emotional too. Then I told her, I said, listen, um, in my podcast, is I do deep questioning. And I really do it on purpose because this is what I really want to do. If you want, we can cry here. Um, because it is about us. We need to heal ourselves. And we need to talk deep things. It is important that we really do that. You see, uh, storytelling is not just about figures again. It's also spiritual. No? It's deep. It helps us to build also the other world, those ones that we don't see. Uh, James Allen, the writer of A Man Said for Many, an English writer, said that the artists are the builder of the other world. They are the builder of heaven and hell. They are the builder of the society. They tell us what is reality and what is not real. That is what it is. You know, among Africans sometimes, we say that you can wear a certain um, amulet or a certain substance in your waist and somebody will shoot you a gun and it will not enter you. But have we really been able to explore that? What is the story behind that? How did we come into that? Okay, that is something I usually say here. That, uh, of course, we are going to always make reference to the European because that is the reality that we live in today. So, what many Europeans did, uh, if, within the context of story and reality, in the construction of the reality, is that they told many people who would become the diasporans or the African diaspora, in this sense, that their history, which is their origin, started from slavery. Now, the same people went to Africa. And they told the African people that their history started from colonialism. Now, just take a moment to reflect on that. Does that have any implication? That me in Nigeria, living near to River Niger, my ancestors have been exploring this land for thousands of years. I will need to recite in my primary school that this river was discovered by Mongo Park. Does it make any sense? Does it have any significance? Does it have any psychological implication on me as a human being? You see, it's deep. But like Olatudi is saying, we are the one that will refurbish this reality. It is ours. It is our responsibility. You see, the other day I was interviewing an Egyptologist. Then I was asking her, now you tell me, you go from the, you come from the United States, you are going to Egypt to dig up a story. Are you telling me that after this expedition has been financed by the American government, you are going there to do a neutral story? Or you are going there to do something like, okay, they tell you what you are going to find. Because we are looking at Egypt for of a civilization of thousands of years. Now you are going there to tell the story in a book of how many pages? In a documentary of three minutes, one hour, 
So what they do often, and in most of the cases, is called selective history. Is that they choose what they want to present and they go to look for evidence to justify that. If that is the case, we are never going to be represented. Therefore, it is our responsibility to dig up our history. To, for example, the people in Nigeria, to go to knock, to go to knock Central Nigeria just to find out what happened to uh, 3,000 years ago, the people of Nong culture, what were they doing? What is their representation? What did they mean by those representations in those spots? Can we learn anything from that? Or can we simply call the European and say, hey, come and teach us our history? We are lost. Anyway, uh, I'll come to you, um, Dr. Kimberly. I'm coming to you just now. But I'll have a question to ask Dr. Marcia, then I'll come to you. Looking at all this that I've said, no? try to provoke us. How do we leverage our cultural heritage in the African diaspora to reconstruct our identity? Help me with that. For me, I, I look at the, the richness, despite the, the confusion and this, despite the, 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 the attempt to reframe and change and transform us into what they would love us to be. The thing about DNA is that our DNA is an individual thing. You cannot exchange it. Everybody that is born in a family has his or her own DNA. Even twins have their own DNA and their fingerprint is, is different. The, the fingerprint is not identical, even identical twins. And so they can't take from you what has been deposited in your bloodline, in your genes, in your DNA, and has been submerged in your subconscious. Who you are is who you are. However, we can get lost depending on to what extent we allow ourselves to be deceived. There is a, um, a film that I have watched over and over many, many years, and I watch it every, every Black history. It is called Roots. And those stars in there, especially one, I think he was, he was called uh, something Kente, that showed us how Kente. powerful, very much so, thank you, Kimberly, that showed us how powerful we are as human beings if we are determined not to forget. And so the search for identity can be very complex due to the dislocation or fragmentation caused by these historic events and the, and the intentional and desperate and persistent attempt for us to, to be controlled. The storytelling is powerful in itself simply because it helps individuals and community to weave together a narrative that acknowledges their roots. So, the parts that are remembered can be nurtured, can be shared unapologetically and very confidently. And those parts can be, the parts that each of us remember can be weaved together so that we can acknowledge our roots while we are adapting to whatever current circumstances before us by recounting the stories of struggle. I, I, I heard the story. 
and how they, they made an attempt and how they changed, changed them. They gave them their new names. Those are possible. But by recounting the stories of struggle and resilience and triumph, that is how Olatunji knew what happened before because someone remembered a part of it. Someone understood a part of it. Someone observed it and decided to tell it the way they saw it or observed it. So storytelling is the crucial empowerment tool for individuals to embrace their multifaceted identities and find strength in their history. We must tell the parts of the story that we know to be true, that we remember, and we must weave them together to come up with the true story of who we really are, despite the gaps. Thank you so much for that. Thank you so much. And that really must go home. All right. Um, I'm moving to uh, Kibele just now. Um, you know, just now I was saying that uh, somebody was doing the middleman between us, no? Uh, telling, going to uh, the Americans, for example, telling the where their story started, <laughs> telling us where we started. I, I know this, um, all this disconnection has been going on for very many years. Do you know that only recently a flight is moving directly from Africa to the to uh, some Caribbean country? What I wrote name. Uh, wrote, I think in 1972, the book entitled How Europe Would Have Developed Africa. And he make a very critical and interesting observation that between Ivory Coast and Ghana, two neighbors, if you were in Abidjan, which is the capital of Ivory Coast, and you wanted to fly from Abidjan to Accra, which is the next country, you will need to move from Abidjan to Paris, and then move from Paris to London, and then from London back to Accra. I don't know if you want to take a moment to reflect on that. That is not just an imagination, it was the reality. And in most of the cases, it's still the reality today in different respects, in terms of how our economy are configured. We look at ourselves as if we are not able to organize ourselves, of course, reacting to the story that I've been put in our heads. But I often say it's because we haven't known our story. Because if we know our story, we understand that several thousands of years before the European ever came to Africa, we have been collaborating. Language has never been an issue. The Malia Empire was bigger than the whole of Western Europe put together. But do you think all of them were simply speaking one language? It is not a problem that you are a Yoruba and I'm an Aousa. The other guy is an ABBO. That is not the problem. It is not the problem that you are speaking a different language. The other one is speaking a different language. Or you are hitting your head on the ground to worship one God and I'm jumping up to worship the Savior. That is not the problem. Those are just distractions. Anyway. Um... I will leave that there so I can come to Kibeli. Uh, dear sister, please share with us. We are here to listen to you. I just wanted to thank you guys because after my class starts in a bit, I teach storytelling to middle schoolers from all over the world. But this is the first time that I've been in an audio room or, or any room for that matter that's even acknowledged African-American history because 
um, our history has been taken out of a lot of schools here in America. And a lot of people, including African-Americans, like to think it was four year, 400 years ago and, you know, want to sweep it under the rug. But my resilience come from being able to have been raised by my grandmother who picked cotton. It wasn't 400 years ago. My grandmother was born in 1924. And so I was fortunate enough to hear her stories and to meet my uncle, her eldest brother, that um, that fought in World War II. Like we have our history, but no one's telling it. And so for you guys to acknowledge it, I just want to say how much that means to me as an individual, because I'm a person that actually, I was raised in America, but most of my give back is in Nigeria, South Africa, Egypt, London. I do a lot with African leadership on an international scale. And so I, to hear you guys to acknowledge us for once, it's, it means the world to me because in many of the rooms that I fight and advocate for others that come from Africa, a lot of the same people that I fight for, they like to dismiss African-American history, but I'm happy that you guys acknowledged it. Like that was a major deal for us. Um, and I just want to thank you for having this audio room. You guys have a wonderful day and thank you again. Thank you so much for that. That's interesting. We, we appreciate you. We appreciate you too. Your presence here and your sharing. <laughs> that is a strategy that I usually do uh, in Obehi podcast. When we start, and because it is uh, aimed at African diaspora, I usually start with who are you? Not what you do, but who are you? Where are you coming from? I will usually spend the first uh, few minutes talking about you, you. Where were you born? Where did you grow up? What do you remember of your story? Now, this is why I'm doing this. I'm doing this consciously, knowing that when you talk about where you are coming from, you're going to mention your father, your mother, what you saw when you were growing up. Because what you saw there might not, be, might not necessarily be what you are seeing today. Now, that might not be so beneficial to you, even though psychologically it is, because it helps you to build up your memory but it helps also another person that is listening to you. Because we are going to make reference to point, people, places, situation, event. That is going to help another person to think back to him or her own childhood. Where he or she was equally growing up. Therefore, you telling your story is also helping another person. So thank you for that sharing. Now, I want to ask you, Mr. Olatuji. Now, looking at story as an instrument uh, in the African diaspora, uh, how do you think maybe we should promote it more so that we can tell more of our story instead of looking for that person that will tell it or pretending that it's not important? Then another person will just come and put the story together and then we sell it to us. You know, I want to repeat that again. If we don't tell our story, this is what is going to happen. Somebody else will tell the story. And it's not going to end by just telling the story. By the time it tells the story, they will come and sell it to you. And you will buy. But what's not better if you were the one telling the story? First of all, you elevating yourself. Making sure that those things that are important to you are in the story. One. Secondly, you can also earn from it. Meaning you can make money from it. Is it not a double advantage? So the question is, how can we, what do we need to do to promote more of storytelling in the African diaspora or among African as it were? Please go. 
Wow, thank you so much. Very interesting uh, uh, question. You see, uh, uh, there's, there's, there's nothing miraculous than the ability of a grand to turn a seed to a tree that bears fruit. But how, how, how would you explain it? That some people cooked up a story and told you that your grand can grow coffee. But you have to bring it to us before it can turn to a tea. Your grand can grow cocoa. But you have to bring it to us before it turns to chocolate. How, 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 how did that happen? How did that get to us? That a grand that can grow it cannot process it to a finished product. I will still go back to my story. All right. Uh, we, we had men then. Uh, we, we, we had a king then in Lagos called King Kusoko. His men. They would carry cannon on their shoulders. You know what cannons are? The white people will, will move them on carts, but these men will carry it on their shoulders and will face the enemy with the cannons on their shoulders. Somebody is loading it from behind and they are shooting it, you know, redirecting it with their shoulders. You, you, you can't mess with those kind of men. We are so powerful and that's why the fear of African is the beginning of wisdom, I would say everywhere in the world because the the, the 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 consciousness that if we are in our right senses and power the world is too small for us to turn around and that's why they will tell you that you can grow cocoa in your land their land that cannot grow it can process it how did that happen who told us those lies so we need to continually tell these stories all right. You see, uh, only stories end up as history. I, I, I mentioned earlier that history is what is what I call high story. And what is high story? Everything that happened before now is history. And interestingly, history is a guy that shapes the present. Our actions in the present actually a continuation of the past. If we do not intentionally have a break and, you know, restart and refresh to tell the story that we want to see in the future today, we will not have a different future. We shape cultures with story. We need to continually tell the stories that we have found true, true and powerful enough to inspire strength, resilience, possibility in the people. It's, 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 it's very funny that a ground that you can mine gold from cannot keep the gold for itself. You have to take it somewhere else where they will keep it for you. It's, it's funny. Those things happen to us because they told us stories. Remember I said, when you drink from that well, you lose memory. Memory of what? Memory of your history. Your history is so beautiful, so powerful, but they know that when you are in touch with it, if they do not allow that dislocation to happen, it's going to be a big problem. 
Because when you remember how you were giving birth to, you 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 did not go to a hospital to be giving birth to. There was nothing like, hey, this one has to, you know, be given, you know, antinata and all of it like that. And when you look at the miracle of your birth, come on, you see that you are you are unstoppable by anything that is happening in the world you are giving birth to. But look at them. A lot of them could not survive mosquito bites. It's not because mosquito is that deadly, but it, 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 it only means that we are that powerful. But they did not allow us to come to that reality. And it's always painful anytime they tell us that when you want to hide something from a black man, I don't agree there's a black man, all right? Because when I see the word black, you see the word black, you see, that's, that's the issue, right? Immediately, they, they formatted the memory. You came to a new life, and they gave you the language to speak. And in the dictionary of the language to speak, everything there points as, at them as your Messiah. Anything there that looks like you, the black they decide to call you, is not interesting. You see, black, anything black in the, in the English dictionary is, is, is going to you know, demoralize you. But they prefer to call you black than to call you an African. All right? And, you know, when I see African, you see what I see? Afro-can. We can. All right? That's, that's what I see when I see African. So if they told us that to hide anything from a black man, you hide it in a book, you need to understand that the only way we can, you know, continue to, you know, uh, powerfully peddle this good news of telling our story is to encourage reading culture. Because a lot, now, the, the things I'm sharing with you, some of them, I, I didn't find anybody older than my grandma who died at the age of 103 uh, last year to tell me the story. I won't find those old people that will be able to tell me the story again. But a lot of them have put things down. We need to read those things. And because of the dislocation that we have, and the dislocation came from the place where, you know, as Africans, we naturally don't keep records. And it's continuing to the future in our attitude of not wanting to check records. People who don't check records will not keep records. People who don't read will not write books. So this is a very big setback for Africans that we need to intentionally correct if we must say, because we, everybody cannot be in this room today. Everybody cannot be in this room today. But everybody can get an access one way or the other to a podcast, to a book, to whatever it is that can come as a material from these kinds of discussion. But when these materials are available, but the people they are meant for have not got the attitude or the habit of checking records, we are unable to break the wrong ones. So we need to intentionally... You know, it, 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 it's a crusade that we must get involved in to pluck out that gene that does not like us to keep records, that does not like us to check records, because it, it, it's no longer true. 
we should no longer, you know, allow it to fly that the only place you can hide things from a, a, an African is to put it in books. We need to, you know, change that narrative. It's not true. We need to change it. It's not true. So immediately we begin to, you know, encourage the change of attitude in that regard. Then the things that have been written can be assessed. And having witness, all right, when you, when you talked about Mungo Park coming to discover Revine Night that was there before his grandfather was born, you know, I, I laughed because it's funny. When we have all of this, you know, little piece here and there that have been, you know, said by whatever it is, and we are able to bring them back, you know, bring them together, we begin to find witness in the nature that is around us. The mountains will tell us it is true what you read. Oh, there's a part of that story that is not correct. Check this river. And the river will affirm it to you that, yes, it's true. I've been like this. Oh, that's true. And we now we cannot begin to you know bring those things to the contemporary, you know, our knowledge of the people that are coming behind to be able to understand it even better. So clearly, we need to take out of our gene that curse of not paying attention to record. They know that if we are connected to the record that brought us here, we will connect to power. Will connect to resilience. Will connect to you know the energy that is enough to turn the world around. You know what it means to put cannon on your shoulder. You are a god. Come on, somebody is afraid of you, but they deleted that story so that you you are not inspired. They allow the eagles to to you know roam with dark. They never allow any eagle to come near so that the eagle will never know what is inside of him. Come on. Come on. No, no, no. We are getting really emotional and I love it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, brother. That is really interesting. And that is, that is why we are here. We, we need to be emotional about it. And we need to, like uh, Dr. Ben said, history must be laced with emotion. That is what makes it history. Because, Imi, you, are, you know what you are talking about in the sense of you are genuine. You can only be emotional when you are genuine. You cannot be emotional if you are talking about a falsity or thing that you know that they're not superficial. You cannot be emotional about that. You see, it is important. It is important. It really, really is important. All right, Dr. Mansia, let, let me see. Uh, because uh, when uh, Latuji was say, talking before, he talked of resilience. Uh, in that there are some people out there that are doing something. But it's not easy for them. So what I'm trying to say is, say maybe within the African diaspora, how could uh, resilience be built up through storytelling so that they can continue to do what they are doing to promote the good image of Africa? Because we know it is not easy. It will never be easy. And it will never be easy. But how could, through storytelling, they could be encouraged to go on? For me... I, I, I find that storytelling, even in our own situations, I remember, for example, when I lost four family members last year, and one of them was my mother. It is the stories that people told me that gave me hope. It is my stories that my mother told me that as the four of us regurgitated and fought through 
this grief of losing an aunt, an uncle, a cousin, and a mother that, that, that kept us sober. And so I believe that storytelling has a profound source of healing and empowerment that makes you persevere and overcome despite situations and circumstances. And, and, and storytelling for me can do that for communities that have faced historical trauma and adversity as many countries and many, 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 many survivors that are on this program ourselves. We, we may not have lived the trauma, but because it is already in our generation, we become offshoots of that trauma and how our lives took present relevance was through the stories and how they healed and empowered our generation before us to persevere and survive and have stories of success to tell us and stories of encouragement to say, you can do this, it's not impossible. So as they came through the horrors of slavery, colonization and systemic racism, they prepare us to face some of the things that they might have endured, that really for fact might have been toned down, but have not been eliminated. And one of those in my mind is systemic racism. So sharing the stories of survival and resistance and endurance in our families and in our communities and through our books and in our schools, we are able to confront these painful, these painful experiences in our past and find solace in the resilience of our ancestors and claim that resilience as a reference point to take us forward and keep us forward. It is this process of acknowledging and owning the trauma through storytelling that lead us to emotional healing in a collective and in an individual way. It, it, it makes us who are marginalized in one way or the other to shape nameless emotions that we can't even put together because these narratives are now able to, to, to shape and counter the negative stereotypes that have been perpetrated through our history, through our generation. And so as we share our stories of achievements, of overcoming the contributions, the cultural richness, it becomes a means of empowerment that makes us able to challenge and limiting beliefs residue of insecurity that we may have and step out in confidence because we are a unique people. We are unique. Every nation has their unique stories and traits and, 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 and path of overcoming. But I don't want to be biased, but Africans were created. Black people were created with a power within them that makes them leaders in resilience because by virtue of who we are, we are naturally marginalized if we are not powerfully present in whatever situation, whether good or bad.
Thank you so much for that. Thank you for the for the acknowledgement. Also, it is it is important. Uh, I I want to believe that um, every situation is cyclical, because the nature itself is cyclical. Um, if you look at the the earth that we live in, if you look at it from afar, you see that it's like a ball. It's a it's a circumference. It means it's turning around. It's not linear, but it's turning around, which means it's like the planting, the growing of the tree of the tree of the crop, then the harvesting. Then if that is not the end, because if that was the end, that would be a linear. That is the end of it. It start, it finish, but it finish. But in the case of agriculture now, looking at agricultural culture, I think that is really important to say. We see that it's a cycle, it's a cyclical thing. You know, you plant the thing that you put in the air, they grow up, then you harvest them, then you go and repeat it again. Now, in the society and in community and in civilization, we see it's more or less the same. Either a people grow and they expand, and sometimes something happens. And that people become less powerful. So why I'm bringing that is that it is natural, yes, but not as natural as it may be. Even though it is natural, it needs to be reinforced. And the way we can reinforce a societal awakening is through storytelling. Is that we as a people, as Africans, we have not always been in this situation. Talking back to a story again, I want you to think back to when the founders of Western civilization were students in Africa. I'm talking of the Greek. They didn't come to Africa as masters. They came as students. Now, Africa today is a land that is looked upon as if we have never done anything serious in human history. But it is not true. Now, one person was saying that if you look at the world, the civilization that we have today, and the human history as it were, if human existence were to cease today, you give it like, say, maybe like 100 years from now, everything you see in the world will almost be disappearing. But guess what we are going to see? Big buildings in the world, in California to New York, in London, they are all going to perish. But guess what is going to remain? The pyramids. But why? You see, I am trying to let you know that, like Dr. Montia was saying, we are specially made. We have a deep history that is deep, deep in that is really rooted. But that story is going to be told by us. Like I was saying before that everything is cyclical. Maybe it is natural that we also pass through this suffering that we are passing through. But it's upon us again to wake up. To wake up from this slumber and recreate our home again. It's going to remain, it's going to take an effort. Again, recreating our home, it doesn't mean we are going to maybe follow the Western conversation. Like maybe, for example, ah, we have Africom in Africa, no? The, the United States decided to uh, institute its military command, of course, which they couldn't get a base in Africa. I think they, they, they set it up in Germany. And uh, they said this one is for the defense of African people. But I said it's a lie. You cannot defend the people. You only defend your interest. By that, I mean, if Africa were to reconstruct themselves, 
We are going to build up our military, build up our culture, build up our philosophy. And we are going to need our history to do that. In that, we are going to ask ourselves, before now, what have happened? Because we are now in this moment. After now, what is going to happen? The reason is this one. If we decide to do anything about it, the future is still going to come anyway. Why don't you project the kind of future that you want? You can only do, you can only do this when you know where you are coming from, when you know your history. That is why there is a serious war against African history. Do you know as part of European history, they are Europeans. Who are the expert of African history? They say they want to be the European, but it's a lie. You cannot do that. It is not possible. European cannot be expert in African history. Ah, the Egyptologist. But who are the Romanologists? We also have the Romans. The Romans have, uh, have vanquished the, the, their empire. But we don't have the Romanologists. They do this because they want to belittle us. They want to make sure that we are not the one telling our story using those terms like we, ours, our ancestors, when we are talking of the Egyptians, because actually the Egyptians are actually our ancestors. They are our fathers. They are our brothers. They are our sisters. They are the people that have been moving around in Africa. Building civilization, sometimes crumbling. You see, one thing we also need to know is that Egypt is not where African civilization started. These people that call themselves Africa have been moving around in their own land, building several civilizations. Okay, Egypt is where it culminated to become the most important. It came to Zenith. But it doesn't mean coming to Zenith is where it started. It didn't start from becoming Zenith. They have made a lot of mistakes all along. So, they came from somewhere and they've been moving around. They are still moving around in the continent. Who is going to tell that story? You want it to be told by the European? It is not possible. Ah, we are going to give it to a professor in, in Harvard? Oh, come on. You can't do that. How are you going to do that? that? That would mean shooting yourself in the food. They are too intelligent to do that to themselves. So it is our job. We are going to tell that story. All, all right. Like, like I said, um, everything we are doing here today is storytelling. No matter how we go about it, we are telling story. And what we are doing is we are advocating that our stories be told. And in that way, we are also, you know, advocating that our stories be heard. Because as we are telling it, we want it to be heard. Uh, I want to just quickly say something about, about resilience. I was born a marathoner. All right. But until I found out that my dad too was a marathoner and he was the best you know, uh, in the secondary school days before I started to win medals as a marathoner in my secondary school days. I, I just usually would see that I have the strength to go long distance race. I would do it conveniently. But I was just doing it for fun. It, it wasn't the one that even told me, all right? It was, you know, one of his friends, uh, you know, joking. He was like, hey, come on, this is good. Your dad was this. And I was like, really? And that got me so empowered. And I started going for goods. I, I usually will finish in you know, a marathon with nothing less than 50 meters away from the second person. I, I do it, you know, enjoying it. Every time I remember that, come on, I was born by a marathoner. 
<laughs> you know, I, I, I'm empowered. I just want to do it more. And I, I don't want to do anything that will fall below whatever I heard about. I just wanted to do something that is more. How many times have you been told that you are born by a marathoner? You just felt like it, it, it was just a usual skill because you were taught chemistry. That is why you know how to make chemicals to come. No. Your grandfather would never had the opportunity to name sodium chloride. Did outstanding experiments that saved not just his house, but his whole community. But you were, you were told that until you actually go to school before you can know that. Come on. And the school you must go to must be their school. <laughs> what we are doing here today is advocating. We are advocating that we tell our stories. We are advocating that our stories be heard. So in that way, we must tell. Tell it so compelling. Tell it so emotional that it can be heard and it can abide with whoever listen. You see, uh, something about story. Story is the only force that breaks hard ground easily. In workplace, when you are trying to bring in a culture of performance in any definition of it, and you are bringing it with facts and figure, when you are done, you will, you you pack your bags and go. Nobody will subscribe to it, no matter how you are able to compel them to fill forms and take different exercises. But you see the guy who is able to come in and give us stories of how the elephant and the tortoise had their time out, the Aesop fables and all of it like that, you know, people will, will drop their defense. They will drop their guards. They will allow the emotion of these stories to sink in. And it will inspire in them certain level of cognition that they never would have thought of entering into. Until we begin to use our, until we begin to use we, until we begin to use us as the best definition of empathy for our stories before we can truly become a force. Because there is no one that is greater than all of us. So we need to empathetically enter into this character of telling our stories as a unit. Not as, you know, academicians that wants to, you know, uh, say this, and the next thing they want to do is to do a research to counter what the other person have said to make them know that no, uh, you know, it was not Mungo Park that discovered River Nine. It was Park Mungo. Let me prove it to you. You know, you, when you are, your surname should be mentioned first before your first name. And that's why it's Mungo Park. That's why it's Park Mungo. No, we must come together to tell our story. So we, 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 we need story.
should be able to enter into places that facts and figures cannot get into. You know, facts and figures, of course, can be doctored. As a matter of fact, for you to get certain experiments accurately, you need to fine-tune them with the mathematical ideology called approximation. So if you want to live by approximated truths, you will never live long. The story will never be resilient. The story will never be sustainable. The story will never inspire greatness if it is an approximated truth. We need the truth and nothing but the truth about ourselves. We need it. And when we get it, don't keep it. Share it in advocacy. Now, you may not share it to anybody's face. Share it to the air. Let the birds of the air carry it to whoever will listen. We, we are blessed today that when you find nobody to even sit down to listen to you, put them in materials that can be, that, that can be transmitted beyond boundaries and geography. Somebody one day will pick it up. And that's why, you know, I said earlier that we need to, you know, take out of our gene that course of ignoring records. Because only record checkers can be record breakers. Because you don't know what you want to break if you don't have a knowledge of what is said. So it should no longer be that you hide something from an African by putting it in a book. Let us tear those books by reading them. <laughs> tear them, you know, read them to tear. You, you, you know, you can't just bring it out. Let's understand the ideology, how they have brought us here. Let us understand and begin to do the reverse engineering. Okay, this is it. Okay, let us, let us undo this. Let us undo that. So every time, you know, just like, you know, what Mr. Obey is doing, and, you know, I so much appreciate it. You know, when he, when he reached out to me, I was like, oh, come on. Let, let, the, let the lion roar. It's an opportunity for the lion to roar now. All right. So, you know, uh, uh, the hunter would, would, would write the story and say, I killed everything. The lion was just my bodyguard. Come on. Who does that? If not that the, the, the lion had gone through certain, you know, concussion of, you know, loss of memory and lack of strength, who is the hunter to be alive? Come on. We need to own the stories and remember. Not against one another, proving points, but in unity because the power is when we come together to share our story together, then we can pull down the walls of Jericho of the stories about us. How, how, will, how will somebody know you than yourself and be authoritative about it and all you Hey, can you see, hear me? All right, you know, all right, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not interesting, you know, that somebody wants to know you, say, come on, go to him, go and ask, ask him about me. No. So let's get it. Let's know it. Let's speak about it. 
And when we do, let's do as a unit. Because until the sun is brought under a focal lens, it cannot burn bushes. We have got so many things to pull down and we cannot do it in different units. We can do it easily in the same unit. So stories, remember, I said story is a story building. Either way you want to put it, the, 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 the ground floor and the top floor is cognition and emotion. We, we, we are intelligent. Let's connect with our story emotionally and share it so much that it's able to, you know, open up any heart to understand the true meaning of what it is to be an African. So when we share these stories like that, we encourage one another to share it like we are doing here today. Before you know it, the wildfire will spread and we can come back again to the DNA. All right, to the DNA called African. Afro can. Come on, we can. Anything that would ever tell you contrary is a lie. We need to come back to that. You know, when Mr. Obey talked at that time, and, and you know, the way African is treated today is as if we never did anything. And it's it's funny. But you know why? Because they did everything to make sure that we are not together in sharing our stories. We have not been able to come together to say, come on, that thing you said, it's a lie. Hey, it, it's not black. It's not. You see, it's funny today. When you ask an African to give you the illustration of devil, you would have thought of painting him black before any other thing. And when you say, give me the picture of God, you see white man. <laughs> he, who, who, who did this to us? Come on. When did this happen? So we need to strongly come from the place of high level of intelligence. All right. Talk about Africa so intelligently and emotionally that even they will peddle the story. That's how powerful stories can be, to help us penetrate walls, no matter how strong they are. So the social advocacy is interesting, and stories are the things that can go where our feet cannot take us, where we cannot, the doors cannot be opened unto us, our stories can shatter gates and go beyond boundaries. So when we do, let's do it as all of us and not one of us. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. That is powerful. It is really powerful and also emotional. Thank you for the sharing, Latuji. Yeah, it is true. It is true that we can only win as a unit, as all of us. None of us is strong, but all of us are strong. You see, there is one idea that I don't like very much, which has been very powerful in Africa all along uh, for a very long time on. Huh? since we became POW, prisoners of war to the Europeans, is that we have had strong men. But I often say we don't need strong men. We need strong people. Because if a man is strong, that man can be taken out any time because, after all, he's just a man. But if a people are strong, you cannot take down a people. Nothing can take down a people. If a people want, they can bridge a river 
so that they can cross over it. There is no way a man can bridge a river. If a people want, they can tap into the current of the universe, bring light where there is dark. But a person cannot do it. Say, what does it mean by a people? I mean, for example, look at Africa. Look at Nigeria to be for a case in sight. Do you know that in Nigeria, 2023, we are still in the dark because we have not yet decided as a people to resolve the problem of just light. Light is actually insignificant compared to what is possible for a people called Nigeria. What do I mean by that? Okay, there are, the thing is really making me emotional, no? Okay, let's say for example, you see, the upper of Benin continuously ride on Road Royce, I think. But I was saying the other day, what if the upper of Benin have said, no, I'm angry. I'm really angry. I want the University of Benin to design the car I will ride. Otherwise, I will go on foot. Now, you tell me, if in, if in one year, a new Road Royce will not be produced in Nigeria, I am saying that because I am evoking all the power of Benin put together to resolve that problem. Do you think they will not do it? They will do it again and again. But for now, it doesn't matter. Okay, say maybe for example, we have a leader. Because for now, we don't have a leader. But let's say, for example, we have a leader in Nigeria. And that leader say, okay, now in Nigeria, beginning from today, we are going to resolve the problem of light. I am going to give this job to the Nigerian people. The Nigerian people. We are over 200 million. I tell you positively, within a year, within a year, there will be 24-hour power supply in Nigeria. How do I know that? Because I am talking about the power of a people. In these people, there are going to be the ones that are, of course, very smart, but are the ones that are not so smart. There are the ones that can run fast. There are those who cannot run very fast. But if we need to rely on the one that can run very fast, we will lose out. Because the one that cannot run very fast is going to fulfill another mission. So we can never underrate the power of a people. So I come back again to that. We need to build the people, not the individual. We don't need strong men in Africa. We need strong people. The Chinese have proved it. The Chinese build an economy that is labor-intensive. Unlike the American... Cap Chinese also have capitalism. Their type of capitalism is labor-intensive. It's people-oriented. In America, they have capital. It's actually the capital, no? You don't need to be many to be able to do that. But in China, they know that they have people. They don't have the money. So they weaponize the people so that everybody can have lithium. But there are many. If you put that lithium together, it's like it's just the philosophy of a broom, no? If you take one out, any person can break it. But if you put a broom together, how can you break a broom? Nobody can break a broom. Good afternoon, everyone. Good evening for those in the diaspora and good evening to everyone of us. Um, first of all, let me quickly introduce myself. My name is Kent Kuka and um, I am the CEO of Harvest, a savings and investment platform in Nigeria. 
And um, I was on LinkedIn this afternoon, and I saw I saw this notification that storytelling as tools for African diasporas. I said, "Wow, I am interested." I said, "Let me quickly log in and see what's going on because I've been telling people." about the African stories. I've been telling people about how very good Africans are as a people, but we've been so brainwashed into believing that we are not capable. I keep telling people stories of how civilization started in Africa, from Egypt. And the reason why I am, I've been privileged to have this level of enlightenment and think differently from most other people met is because I, I was privileged to have a dad who had a very heavy library, library in the house, and I was introduced to reading books from a very early age. So I read this book. I can't remember the author's name, but the title of that book is The History of Civilization. My dad gave me that book as a 12-year-old, and I read it. When I read it, I discovered, you know, from then, I, I never heard of the African story all I know is that the whites are the people over there, they, they've been taking us as slaves for a long time. But I didn't put that to heart. But that book made me to realize who we are as Africans. Growing up as a small boy, I, I realized that I am a special kid, that we have capabilities just like every other people. And at some point, it felt that it felt as if I'm feeling that Africans are even in a lot of things. We are stronger even more mental capability but the problem we have is that we don't we haven't understood how to unite as a people you know so i've been preaching this this um this gospel for a long time to people telling them that i believe this is the era for africa to wake up so i always believe that africa is the next frontier and we are at that stage so when I tuned into this conversation, I heard what was going on. I don't know if uh, Olatunji, yourself, Bey, uh, Tomasi, and other people, I don't know what you guys have said so far. But what I can tell you is that I, I, I felt very, very wonderful. You know, I told my wife, I told her, see, I just heard something right now. I, I, t I told her, this is what I've been talking about. We've been talking about Africa rising up, and Africa is rising up. And mistakenly, I think my the microphone was was um, turned on when I logged in, and she was talking about the coup that happened today in Gabon and all that, you know. So now I am beginning to know that our people are waking up, and what this program that you are hosting right now, why I love it so much, is that our people need to know, need to need to start telling their own stories. I mean, how can someone from a different land come and tell us that the Mongo Park discovered the river Niger? Till today, I cannot, I, honestly, I cannot, I cannot even, I cannot digest that, that Mongo Park discovered the river Niger that our forefathers have always used for many, many things. I mean, every, there, I can tell you that most African nations are connected to the river Niger. And people have used this for centuries, if for, you know, uh, millennials, you know. And then people are telling us that someone else discovered this. I mean, it's shameful to us as a people that someone in America, I mean, sorry to say this, but I love our American people so much. And I've worked with Americans for so many, many years. I mean, I have so much love and respect and admiration for the American people. But then... I mean, a lot of Americans 
are not half as educated as some people here in Nigeria. Be honest. I mean, you, you hear a lot of American kids thinking that Nigeria is a country in uh, Nigeria, that Africa is a, is a country in Nigeria. Or, or, or you, you think, some of them say that you, you, you converse with them, you realize that they think that Africa is a country not even a continent. So beyond all those things, we, we have learned so much about the world. And if you look at Africans, we are making waves everywhere in the world right now. I mean, the fastest supercomputer we have right now, I think is by Nigerian. We have a lot of things going on. We are very innovative, capable, and very good. We just need to tell people, our people outside need to start telling other people that, do you know that your civilization, the current civilization you think brought back to Africa came out from Africa, started from Africa, from Egypt. We exported civilization into the current civilized world you know about. From Egypt to Mesopotamia, Babylon, and then to the modern world we have today. And then all these people try to tell us that we are nobodies. We need to start telling people who we are we need to truly tell our stories tell 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 other people that we are a capable people forget about the trade and everything that happened but and we also need to i think our biggest problem as a people as africans is unity we need to be united traditionally when i see a man from kenya or i see someone from ghana or from south africa or from uganda the truth is, I, I don't see them as people of foreign nations. I see these people as my brothers. This is the way I've always seen them from day one. So when I hear that we have xenophobia going on in, in South Africa against the Nigerian people or something, all those things, they really pain my heart because Africans need to come together. If we realize the power of unity as African people, as Africans, I can tell you we can do so much. We will, we will you see the Wakanda, we watch the movies in, 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 in the movies, we can bring Wakanda in Africa, and I believe we are bringing it to Africa. It's really happening. We will develop this continent so much that you know that people will 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 strive to get visas to come in here. You know that's one of the reasons why I think all these things have been happening for years. But thankfully, Africans are waking up, and we should keep enlightening our people and telling them more about the things that we've been through and making our people understand that we are very good. Typical story is this. I tell my wife that, see, my kids, they will never, when the process of having some that they will never bear an English name. Have I seen an Englishman answering Kenochuku, which is my traditional name? I'm yet to see an American or a, or a Brit that answers Kenochuku. So why should I take another person's name? I mean, I'm all traditional. I respect and adore our, 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 our Western friends. I adore, I, I, I respect them a lot for all they have done for us, but it is time for us to wake up and really take our place in the world. We need to be respected as a people because we have what it takes, more than what it takes for us to, to conquer the world. Not conquer the world, we can work together with the world and build a better world as a people. We have this development project we are, we are still working on. I told people we are going to build cities across Africa. All these Western cities you see there, we are going to organize. It will be an organized place. And all of us will enjoy it. I told something like that as a story on, on my birthday. The video is on my LinkedIn page. I told people, it's time for us to develop 
I'm Africa that Africans will not have to go through the pain of going through the, the, the Mediterranean Sea to escape Africa into Italy or Rome. I mean, it, it's like when I heard someone here saying that it, it gets them emotional. This thing gets me so emotional. And when I hear people who are emotional about all those things, I, 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 I am very happy. And I say, this is the time. Africa is waking up. I am so thankful to God. You know, we've been so divided. We've been so misinformed. We've been so deceived. I mean, our people's minds have been so shattered that we think we are nothing when we know when we are everything. Even the creator of the universe started from Africa through history. The soil that we use is brown in color. And man was made from dust. So we started from Africa and then immigrated into the rest of the world. Africa is the motherland. And we need to wake up. And it's time for us to wake up. And I'm grateful that we're waking up. But the first step doing that is let's be united. And Africans shouldn't see another African as a threat to their success. They should see another African as a brother. The Hausa man should see an Igbo man as a brother. The Yoruba man should see a Hausa man as a brother. The man from Nigeria should see the Kenyan man as his brother. The Kenyan man should see the South African as his brother. The South African man should see the Nigerian as his brother. This is the first step to our becoming, taking our place in the world. Thank you, everyone. I, I, Ken, I, I, I find what you say very appealing. I am, um, I'm happy that you have taken it from a place of history in the sense that your your parents saw it as an intentional part of your growing up to know who you are. I, I have to embrace the power of that story, the story that you have told of the preparation that your father placed on you so you can accept yourself. The issue with stories and storytelling is that you cannot tell that story authentically if you do not know who you are. And the shattering of, of our history and how we prepare ourselves is very important. And that is why I say, we must tell the parts of the story that we remember. So I, I kept breaking off at some point, but I'd like to believe um, we are talking about storytelling. First thing, I want to thank everyone that has spoken. And I want to thank um, the organizers of this audio event. Now, talking about Africans and storytelling, there's this thing that is embedded in Africans. In the name of humility, they don't want to, they always want to probably hide their identity. They don't want to talk about everything they know. I think it's in the name of humility, like, oh, you shouldn't be too proud. You shouldn't be too vocal. You shouldn't be too this, or you shouldn't be too that. At the same time, telling our story, if we, if we, if we take it from the angle of being victims, then it means that we are actually seeing ourselves as victims. Yes, a lot of things have happened. We've been sidelined and all that. But if we, if we tell the story from the angle of victims, it means that subconsciously we are still playing that role of being victims. So we can actually flip the switch by, oh, okay, this has happened. This is what we have noticed. This is the way forward for us so it's not like we are going out there to say oh we've been 
a lot of horrible things have happened to us or a lot of bad things have been done to us. No, it's like a child. When, when you are oppressing a child or beating the child up and the child sees the parent, that's not the time to start explaining, explaining or feeling like a victim. The child might even want to fight back knowing that he now has a backup. That's not the time to start crying more and more or trying to gain pity or sympathy. It won't work. Sympathy doesn't work. The only thing you get is pity and pity yields nothing. That's the fact. So first of all, I think we have to develop this mindset of, okay, what has happened has happened. What is the way forward? The first step is getting it right at the point of your mind. How do you see yourself when you want to tell your story? That's the very first thing you should ask. Are you, are you trying to elicit pity or are you trying to break grounds? Are you, tr are you confident enough to let people know this is done and gone? I'm no longer what happened to me. I'm no longer relating with that story you're telling about me. This is my new story. So if, if that is the mindset, then storytelling becomes easier and more effective. You are no longer seeking permission from them. You are giving notices. You are telling them, oh, this is what I want to do now. This is what I want to do. You are not saying it with your mouth, but your mindset is shining through your attitude, the decisions you are making, the things you decide to do, and it things you decide to accept or tolerate moving forward. That's my contribution. And that was the heart of my contribution, Obi. I'm sorry I got knocked off. <laughs> because I am saying, accepting your story, knowing your story, and accepting your story is extremely important for you to start or to move forward. Denying your story, being ashamed of your story, ignoring your story, is the biggest mistake that any African could ever make or any human being for that matter. You must know your story and you must accept your story. It is from that place of acceptance that you must use your story to advocate for you. Your story must become a platform for expressing what you have lived and you must now start advocating for justice. You must use your story to challenge systemic inequalities and how you tell your story must historically put you in a confident future present place of of opening up what you who and in our generation has been historically silenced it must it must it must propel us to assert our identities and demand recognition if we are not able to do that and we are not doing it confrontationally we are doing it because we are we exist and we are taking our rightful place our rightful place is the mindset that i have something to contribute i will contribute what i will contribute and I will not be silenced. That is what it is saying by just being and by just existing and just by being who you are. Being a consciously peaceful, present individual because confrontation by itself can be silent, 
it can also be subtle and it can be latent it can be aggressive and it can be passive depending on the individual and the intent whatever your intent must be you must raise awareness and you must build people you must build them through kindness through dignity through empathy you must start in yourself to break down the stereotypes and the prejudices that have been applied to you that is how you can embrace and help other persons in the african diaspora to embrace themselves and understand and respect their story if you intend to advocate for change there must be narrative shared of injustice and discrimination and inequality and there must be narratives that are put forward to push policy reform and to contribute to social movement and address the concerns that are there making ignoring them make them fester we must humanize complex issues and systems and we must make it accessible to broader audience and through meaningful conversations make provide a platform for healing for growth and for development thank you so much for that dr matia thank you i really appreciate it i appreciate all of you that have spoken here all right the last word here uh, goes to uh, olatuji uh, i don't know what will be your final statement here regarding the conversation that we have had today on the topic storytelling as tools for african diasporas uh, please go ahead and do that then we will be closing this room thank you all right thank you so much i want to appreciate everybody who came in at one point or the other those that are even not here again it's a pleasure to have you all guys here uh you know for you to have been you know picked by this uh topic it means that you you know in in certain ways you are you are ready for a change and that's very interesting thank you so much for for coming in here uh if we were to do you know story and talk about story academically you know i, I usually have uh story from the word story itself uh you know the structure of story a story should have structure that's the s the t should be theme and the o is originality the r is relatability and the y is it must yield emotion all right that's if we wanted to talk about you know story as if you want to you know write an exam about storytelling but uh, in all of that i want to throw it away and go to the center point and that is the originality uh this is what you know has been said ochuko said it dr marcia said it and ken you know talked about it but i just want to bring it home and you know because this is this is one of the beautiful thing about story uh we, we can emphasize strength with different character and storyline all right we are talking about strength but when we come to talk about strength it, it that's that's something beautiful about story it's never going to be boring you are trying to tell us that we are strong but today you are telling us in a story that we are strong all the cast and character in that story we have not heard about them before so it will make us curious and you know it will inspire the suspense in us to want to hear as if we have not heard before but when we are done we now realize that oh it's coming back to tell us the same thing that come on wake up guy you are strong enough so that's something about story so you see at the middle of it is originality and i talked about it earlier when i said it's it is it is their mystery but it is my story 
All right. It is a mystery, but it is my story. I I I usually like using words so well, and it, it's a pleasure I find uh, attractive most of the time. Uh, and this is also one of my very beautiful way of making stories stay with people. All right. You know, when I pick a word and you remember that word, you can remember a lot of things from that word. So look at the word mystery, right? M y s t e r y. It is their mystery. But it is my story. When does it become my story and their mystery? When I come in alignment with my originality. When I come to the ownership of my story. Immediately I come in ownership, you know, uh, in, in, you know, in contact with my origin. When I come in alignment with the ownership of my story, when I own my story, I will no longer take permission from anybody. To be called my name, I will not say, "Hey, can, can, can I, can I, can I tell them my name?" Do you get that? You know, that's that's the way we have systemically lived in our society today. That we take permission to introduce ourselves to the world. All right, when you go to your origin, come on, the seed. The seed does not ask the ground when it is inside of it. Can I grow? You don't take permission. When you come in tune, in proper alignment with your originality, we need to come to that place where we understand that we are real. We are not a second, uh, 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 how is it called now? Second degree citizens in the world. We are Together in this world, we have got the same right as every other person. Now, this is it. We, 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 we are not starting a world war. We are not clamoring for, you know, uh, taking over, you know, uh, political positions, you know, and sitting in place of power. We are only asking that. The next time the turn is going around, don't throw the leftovers here. Let's have a fair share all together. If you can, I can. I've got a quota to contribute to this. I, I, I am not, you know, a, a, a story by the side. I am also a main character in this story. So the originality is important. We need to come back to connect with our true origin. That is where we are going to have our power. All right. When you look at the word uniqueness, I like using the word uniqueness a lot. Look at the word uniqueness now. You know, I call myself a spiritual etymologist most of the time because I, I have spiritual inclination to, to words, you know, the root of words. Look at what uniqueness. Uniqueness. You see uniqueness? You see there's there's a universe in uniqueness. Are you seeing it now? There's skill in uniqueness. Are you seeing it now? And there's goodness in uniqueness. And what does that tell me? It's telling me that everyone has got that level of goodness that the universe can afford to take a cue to come and watch. You are only able to break laws and be given medals for it in your place of uniqueness. But if you want to go by what is 
what you know somebody wrote not about you you know do you know what it means there was a time that it was believed that if you run a mile in less than four minutes your heart will get out of your chest we have had a lot of limiting belief systems that until we become original enough before we can break them. It is in our uniqueness that we can begin to break free from all of these things. So let's go back to our originality. This is not a call for, for riot. This is not a call for fight on the street. This is not a call for, you know, coming from the place of victim. You know, Chuko talked about that. When I see the word victim, you see, you know what I see? I see a victor. Are you seeing see the victor, V-I-C, that is timid? We shouldn't come from a place of vic victimization. We are never a victim. If it happened, no longer. We are not here to come and begin to beg and say, what can we do? No. Oh, I, I did it. Have you heard about it? Oh, that's a better way. Come on. Oh, 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 you missed it. Oh, I'm sorry about that. The next one, please don't miss it. And not that, hey, unless it comes, I cannot pick a date for it. Come on, who told you that? We need to come into our place with authority. We need to come into our place with power. But I told you, if you break laws without uniqueness, you would pay for it. If you break laws without doing it from the place of uniqueness, You'll be sentenced for it. But you see, the people they call genius, the people they call, you know, are heroes. You know, all of these guys, they broke certain laws, but from the place of uniqueness, and they went scot free. As a matter of fact, they were given murders for it. Do you know what it takes to, to win the Guinness Book of Record for cooking? It means you should you will not sleep for days. You naturally should sleep at least once in a day. So the law is that you should sleep. But where did that strength come from? The strength did not come from reading on how not to sleep, but from tapping into the unique strength inside of you. Come on, let's go back and tap into the uniqueness that we have got. We are, we are unable to do this thing well if we don't know who we are because you will do it chabbily, you will do it wrongly. We are unable to take this thing through the normal course if we do not know who we are in the journey. So let's, let's go back to the place of proper self-awareness self-discovery, knowing who we are, and in that place begin to fly our uniqueness. Because it is through our uniqueness that we can easily break so many barriers, so many, you know, uh, you know, embargoes. It is through our uniqueness that we're able to do a lot of work in a very short time. So let's go back to that originality. All right. In the originality, it's a mystery to them, but it's my story. I understand it. You don't need to understand it. And I don't need your permission. That's it. I don't need your permission to tell my story. I mean, 
You know, it's not from, oh, we are sorry, you know, this and this happened, we heard about it, we read about it, and now we want to do this, should we do this, come on. No, 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 that's not where we are talking from. That's not what we want to do. Do it, let them feel privileged to be part of it. It's a privilege to have each of us in one another's company, and nobody is feeling superior to the other it's really a great pleasure to be here and i can tell you for free that when the movement is deep enough within you will not be able to deny it outwardly the journey started a while ago and this train is joining the journey thank you Thank you so much for that. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it, my brother. I appreciate it. And I thank all of you that have been speaking. Okay, I can see a lot of people have already gone. It's because of the power of this sharing, because it is really powerful. Story does this. So I want to go back again. This is why Mr. Ben was saying that you don't do this thing by just uh, sweeping the surface. These things are deep. I would need to be ready to go deep. That is what it's all about. If we are spending nearly two hours here, it's because of that. And of course, we are going to be here. This is a new series, of course. Uh, I have three rooms. Uh, in one room, we are uh, trying to make sure that it's mainly business-based. The other one is mainly about strategy and about storytelling. And this one is about storytelling relating to African diaspora. And in this sense, it's going to be also about history. So this room is every 14 days. So in the next uh, 14 days, we are going to be here again talking about storytelling as it relates to African diaspora. Now, I want to say that it is very important that if I, it is a privilege that we are able to do this. This is a way of serving our community. Please, let's do this. I want to thank all of you again for having been here, for having... Because if you were not there listening to us, we will not feel the, the impetus to continue to talk and to share. So I thank all of you in the audience. Please continue the conversation and make sure that we continue to empower people to tell their story. Because while you are telling your story, you are also helping others to tell their story. So yeah, let's pass the party on. Thank all of you. I'll see you next time in 40 days time from now.